0: So let me explain. Let me explain. Why did I show you Avengers? Why did I show you this scene? Because we have to review the attitude, the context, the overall climate of Jerusalem, that period. Jerusalem was looking for a Captain America to assemble them, to hold that worthy of that gauntlet, to lead them into battle against who? Thanos, no, the Romans. (laughs) (laughs) The Romans, all right? It's the Romans. And how did they see the Romans? Thanos' army. And how did they see Caesar? Thanos. Okay, may I remind you, and this is uh, uh, from last week and a few weeks before as well, that the Romans were really bad people. They were horrendous. They uh, tormented the Jews when they uh, took over, then when they conquered the Greeks, and then they took over at the Jerusalem. Uh, they literally put Jerusalem as slaves. They took them away, they put them as slaves, they even used their kids as entertainment. And being a guy that uh, has traveled through Thailand, I would understand as well what it means to put kids through entertainment. And that's what the Romans did. And also the Romans like taxed them to death. Like uh, if Caesar wanted some money and he was running low on his funds over in Rome, he would uh, say, okay, time to like, tap into the, uh, the nations that we already conquered and grab their money away so that I could fund my uh, porcelain toilet. Right? That's what he did. And so what really was in the mind of the, Jew, the, the Jews right there, at then and there during Jesus' time, when Jesus arrived, that climate was already, for 400 years, have already been saying, we need a Captain America. We need somebody, a Messiah. The true Messiah, because this Caesar, he claims to be the Messiah, but he's not. He claims to be the king, he's not. He claims to be the son of God, he's not. See, the language of all that has already been done. It's the Caesar's already used that language. It's not new to the Jews, it's not new to the world back then. Son of God, yeah, we know who that is, that's Caesar. Messiah, yeah, we know who that is, that's Caesar. But then the Jews knew better, because how can a son of God, their God, be so Horrendous, torturous, and exploitive, and taking their children away. So they are looking for a Captain America. They're looking for a savior that will assemble them, take the charge, lead them into battle, and defeat Caesar and all the Romans. That's why I showed Avengers. However, (laughs) the interesting is, is that it's not the case when Jesus came. Yeah, they were kind of confused when Jesus arrived. He's quite well built. He's tall. Apparently, historically, he was six foot four, right? Uh, like, and he was well built. He looks great, right? He's the son of a carpenter, so he has muscles, right? He has great charisma. He could speak loudly. So they even thought maybe he is. But then he started to talk about feeding the poor, healing the ill, and inviting and forgiving the Romans, my enemies. Remember that whole uh, story about who's my neighbor, right? He was referring to the Romans. Love them. Are you kidding me? So then, uh, so the Jews uh, were, going, were a little confused. And that's where we are today in Luke 13. Now, the Romans also did something really uh, interesting. And uh, we're going to get into chapter 17 when we get there. But remember, there was this term, um, it, did I put it up there? Yeah, that verse. In Luke 17, 34, I tell you on that night, two people will be in one bed, one will be taken and the other left. That is just another example what the Romans did. To the Jews, uh, let's say you're you have a family, Howard. Like you, you have a family, and suddenly uh, you're you're still sleeping, your family is sleeping, and then one night the Romans charge into your house and just take away your wife, take away your uh, one of your uh, kids, and then gone. That's what they did. The Romans did that. So you can imagine what's going through the Jewish's minds, right? How dare you? What? And then also. There was this uh, idea that there's also this guy named Pontius Pilate during that time. And uh, he was actually appointed by the Romans to uh, govern Jerusalem. And what he did was that he even cared very little about the Jerusalem festivals. So what he did was that he actually, uh, uh, history says that he sacrificed a pig in the temple because he wanted to have some pig. Now, you know that pigs and Jews don't mix. And basically Pontius Pilate says, ah, no, I want a barbecue. So that altar looks like a barbecue. So I'll just like, uh, barbecue my pig there. And that's what he did. He could care less. And sometimes he felt that he could just raid their bank account. So think about it. It's like this. Uh, the city of Richmond uh, ran out of the money. And then uh, uh, like, uh, they'll go, OK. The mayor goes, not that he was going to do it, but the mayor goes, OK, I'm going to go to every church and just liquidate their accounts to fund the city's works. That's exactly what Pontius Pilate did. So therefore, now you know even more of the climate of Jerusalem. And then so this is interesting. Maybe we should pause just to reflect a little bit of what's going on in the world today. Because the Jews are overwhelmed by Romans. They are not allowed to vote for their leaders. They're being oppressed by corrupt leaders whoever leader it is, it's chosen by the Romans. And what's that feeling then inside of them? They want to protest, go against the Romans, charge at the Romans, kill the Romans, get rid of the Romans. And so they are looking, again, for this leader. I wonder what's going on in this world today as well. And funny thing is, this is where I come to my point this morning. That regardless, as a Christian, that regardless of what, how we feel, how much entitlement we feel, or rights we have, or even justify, like the world tells us that we're justified to rebel, to say we could go and take revenge, avenge, or revenge, right? The revengers. Uh, the avenge, and to the, get even, and for the sake of justice, Jesus says, no. True repentance. When we are called to repent, when God tells us to repent and ask for forgiveness from him, one of the things about, one of the fruits of true repentance is to actually give that up. Give that entitlement and give up that right. Interesting, eh? Because if you think about it, that's freakishly hard when it comes to a Jew. If Jesus said that to a Jew, no one of the Jews Went down an uproar. When the, Jews said, uh, when the Jews hear, what? Repent? What are you talking about? I'm the least person to repent. They need to repent, right? But Jesus said, no, you have to get true repentance, the true fruits of repentance. Yeah, the true fruits of repentance is to actually give up that entitlement, that self uh, authority or authorization that you could have that justice. You could take that justice with you and avenge that. You get it? So how do I get there? Well, let's begin right, with chapter 13, verse 1. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 13, verse 1 tonight. Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Verse 6. Then he, he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down, why should I It use up the s- soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Repentance, fruit, they go together in this chapter. And hence, that's why I entitled it Fruits of Repentance. Luke gives us an example of how cruel Pilate was. So here are these Galileans, right? Um, Yeah. Here are these Galileans. Uh, They're making this uh, annual pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Pontius Pilate, apparently, during that time, thought it was a rebellion waiting to happen, a revolution. And so when the Galileans arrived into the temple, he slaughtered all of them, killed all of them, and left them there. Didn't even clean up. He just left them there. And then, so therefore, the blood of the Galileans were mixed with the blood of the sacrifices. You follow? And so, the like, what would you go? What would go on somebody's mind back then if you were a Jew? If you were a Jew and you were really uh, into the law, right? And you made sure that you follow the law, and you made sure that you know, like, uh, you made sure you follow all the rules and legislations. Usually, what somebody who, who follows the law would say, hmm bad things usually happen to bad people, right? Because, oh, you know what? They probably suffered because they broke the law somewhere. They broke one of the laws, right? That's what they were thinking right now. And how many of you are thinking of that thought that way before? That, you know, oh, something bad happened. Like I failed an exam, I must have sinned. (laughs) Or something like that, right? Or I didn't get what I wanted, so I must have sinned. Or uh, I got sick just before this and I must have sinned, right? You know that type of thing? It, their whole retribution theology is still totally warped, but that's what they were thinking. And so the question that uh, that Jesus was answering, that underlying implied question was from the Jews: was did they sin? Did the Galileans sin the biggest sin, that, and that's why uh, they got you know um, they got slaughtered in the temple? Or well, how about those guys in Siloam where that tower fell on them? That that you know when things had like uh, collapse on them, maybe they sinned the biggest sin. See. I don't doubt that, that that's happening already here. Well, Like a lot of, many Christians think that way too. There was one time, uh, I don't know if you remember, that uh, back in the states around in Florida, in Miami, I think, there was a, a gay bar, right? For LGBTQ community. And then there was this massive shooting that happened there. And many people died there. You recall that? It was quite like two years ago. Do you know what some of the articles were written? from Some of the uh, conservative Christian articles? They deserved it because they sinned. They're sinners. No, but that's the type of thinking that's still alive today in this world, right? And they are thinking the same way. Maybe the bigger, maybe they sinned. Maybe it was like bad people. They're just they just sinned, and that uh, that's why. It, and then so that the Jews were wondering, maybe they just sinned, and that's why it happened. But no, Jesus says no. It's not. Regardless of where like uh, what you think a sinner is just because they didn't follow the law or anything, it happens to everyone. Because all are sinners, Jesus says. All are sinners. And all will actually, if you do not repent, you too could experience the same fate as these people. And so Jesus actually laid it out. Uh, like, No, it's not about how bad a sin is. It's not about that all are sinners. And all will experience the same fate. Repent. So the question is then, the next question that uh, Jesus put in is okay. So, uh, and the listener would ask, so what is true repentance then? If you we if this uh, uh, if you are the person that if you're the man who is going to uh, uh, look for fruit, what is this whole fruits of repentance? What is this? What is this fruits of repentance then? And that's where we start, and that's how we got this uh, title. So what is this fruits of repentance? Because if it's not about following the law to get there, if it's not about following the rules to get there, if it's not about who sinned the most and who's that sinned the least to get there, and it's all about fruits of repentance, then what what is it, Jesus? Tell us! All right, so then we move on. So let's go to Luke chapter 13, verse 10 then. On the Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, "'Woman, you are set free from your infirmity.' Then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. In did because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leaders said to the people, "'There are six days for work. "'Some come and be healed on those days, "'not on the Sabbath.' The Lord answered, "'You hypocrites! "'Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath "'untie your ox or donkey from the stall "'and lead it out to give it water?' Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When she said, he said all this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing." All right, so before we begin with this passage, let's just review. So the question is, it's not about who sins the most. We all know that now. All are sinners. It's all about repentance and how, and the type of repentance, the fruits of repentance. So what is this fruit then? What is this fruits of repentance? Because that's what Jesus desires. That's who gets in. And so Jesus said, so that was the question that was posed to Jesus then. And that's the question that probably a lot of us ask. And so he continues on with the teaching. He finds this opportunity on Sabbath to to find this uh, opportunity to heal this woman, to continue this teaching. All right. So, what's this passage then that we just read about this woman? Well, for me, I'll just share you a personal thing. I like order, right? And I sometimes some of you know that. And I, I'm a very pragmatic person, and uh, so so pragmatic sometimes that I feel that you know there's could be blessings, and yet there's could be you know not so blessings, not the good stuff. And uh, and unfortunately, those not so good stuff is uh, leads to pride and rigidity, right? Like I could be really rigid. No, no things have to be done this way, <laughs> right? And again, get it done, right? It's my way or the highway, type of thing. And um, so then, uh, when I read this passage, uh, I was thinking to myself, okay, how can I relate? Let's see, I can relate actually. <laughs> so it's like I was leading. Well, like, let's say I was leading worship, right? Uh, you know, we're in the we're in the moment. We're in the like the third verse or the you know ready to sing the like the chorus with the oos and the ahs. And then suddenly um, a woman comes up, out of nowhere, from, this, from outside, sick. Uh, she could be crippled, or she could be, uh, you know, uh, she clearly needs healing. And then she comes right up to the front, in a, in the, uh, right, at the, right here, kneels down, and asks out loud, can you pray for me and heal me? What would we do, church? OK, deep down. I know what I need to do, right? Deep down, I should stop, stop everything, right? And we all should gather around her and pray for her. But realistically, I think, like deep, like like a little bit up a level notch, I would go ask myself, maybe she will actually walk away, <laughs> right? And maybe, or maybe fortunately, she would uh, like, sit down and we'll find a seat, and uh, we'll finish the set, and then uh, we'll pray for her after service. You know, that's my pragmatics side, right? That's what the, the Jesus is talking about here, okay? Here's this worship leader at the temple. He's ready to do the, uh, the, the scriptures, and then, you know, he's, like, the, everything's going well. He's like your pastor, your typical pastor. He's like, you know, he's going through things, and he's a synagogue leader, and he has, he has everything on a worship service to the T because he knows that he needs to end by 1230 because everybody needs to beat it to dim sum. You know, like, you know, he got it, he like, end it, right? And yet this woman comes out of nowhere and I needs healing, right? This, like this, he, that she needs healing right then and there, right? And then, and then uh, he goes, right? Like, uh, well, you're in the middle. And then suddenly you heard about Jesus. You knew about Jesus. He shows up, right? Like, he, like you knew that he, he's around, right? He's in town. And you know what like, trouble he's stirring, right? And then he shows up and he stops your service, and then heals the lady. How would you feel as the pastor up here? Right? First of all, you're embarrassed. Second, you go, what? <laughs> and then third, you deep down though, you're convicted. Deep down you're convicted. Because you go, mmm, I should have done that. Right? I should have done that. And that's one part of the fruits of repentance that we are uh, that Jesus is looking for. Are we willing to, again, we relinquish our entitlements, our rights, or whatever it is, our own agendas, when God gives us the opportunity. Because I like the next slide says, it's God tends to work when it's inconvenient for us. I find that most of the time when God shows up for me and he tells me what, that I need to do something, it's really inconvenient time. Like for Pete man, I'm busy. <laughs> right, I have to pick up my daughter. Right, I have work to do. Right, and then uh, somebody uh, like somebody texts me, and then uh, that person needs to meet, or that needs to be called, or prayed for, whatever. And then uh, um, and I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I like, I got this to do. But I must tell you this. You're t- you're talking to I'm I'm telling you from experience. Don't ever miss those opportunities, ever. I learned from experience that. When a friend, uh, quite a while back, when we were in, in, um, in a youth, small group, when I missed that opportunity for something else, I said to him, no, I got to go to work, but I'll probably call him back later. That, I swear, if only I took that opportunity, he would be still around today. A lot of my friends have regretted that moment of not receiving his call. We all got the phone call. He called everybody. All of us said, no, we're too busy. And then so then after that, in the evening, he jumped off and just committed suicide. See, folks, yes, it's inconvenient. God will always uh, um, tell us to do something at the most inconvenient time. But from my experience, from big experience, don't miss it. Don't miss it. Yes, he'll give you second chances but sometimes the, 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 the opportunities that were missed, the consequences are even more dire. And the, so it's, a, it's from, a, so from me, from experience to you, um, from my friends as on, our behalf, on, my beha- on the behalf of my friends to all of our, to you all, you, never miss those opportunities when God calls. Yes, it is inconvenient, but then unfortunately, God works in the ministry of inconvenience. He wants to see if we are able to subject our agendas, our rights, our entitlements, our privileges for his sake. Because, in our next passage, he goes and says this, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds in its branches. Again, he asks, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed it into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. When God gives us the opportunities, sometimes what comes into my mind is, is it worth the time and the effort? Because, you know, like I gave you examples of my townhouse complex and, you know, when people drive in and then God nudges me, right, (laughs) to, to go, hey, have a chat with them. And then the garage was already closing, right? (laughs) <laughs> it's like, you know, it's already closing. I'm like, ah, the uh, window opportunity is literally closing. So, you know, and then, but then I go, okay, no, no, no. And he reminds me of those, uh, my times of missed opportunities. So I quickly push the button and then, then go out there and, uh, and chat with uh, my neighbor. And many conversations happen after that. Sure, it may be just a hi. Maybe it's just say, hey, how are you doing? And then suddenly it's like, bomb 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 done. But then we never know if this mustard seed will become bigger. We never know that this little piece of yeast could actually become bigger, right? You never know. And I realized that in my lifetime, that I've seen the little little mustard seeds and the yeast that that I planted, that God gave me the opportunity to soak, whatever, it did grow for many more opportunities to come. That say, hi, hello, how are you? And they say, yeah, whatever, how are you too? Like, uh, I'm doing great, right? The more of that you do, this mustard seed will just continue to grow and grow and grow. And that's the kingdom of God. Jesus is telling us every opportunity that God has given us is worth it. Even though it's inconvenient, even though you may see it's, there's no benefit whatsoever of it, submit your agenda, submit that, like, take that time out and just take that opportunity that God gives you. And you never know. It could be just a high, who knows, right? But then after that, those hives may turn into bigger and more fruitful conversations next time. So Jesus is saying here, like that time that I healed that woman, when all you thought that, hopefully, like, thought that it may not be worth it right now to break off service because we worked so hard on it and she just came to get healed. It may not be worth it for you to heal her at that time during the Sabbath worship, but it is worth it because you never know if she would actually bloom, and to have the gospel spread throughout even more. Sort of like the Samaritan woman at the well, too. You never know. That conversation could lead to many more to come to to know Jesus. So it is worth it. It is worthwhile. It is worth, actually, uh, even in this church, if you see a newcomer, don't ask yourself, is it really worth it to go up there and ask them for their phone number? It is worth it to ask them for their contact info, and it is worth it to ask them, maybe we should go out for coffee sometime. Maybe we should go for lunch sometime. Maybe we should You know, like, you know, whatever. You know what I mean. Share the table, right? Share the table with people. See a newcomer, share the table with them and invite them for lunch with you guys, right? It is worth it because you never know what will come out of it. Let's move on. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside, knocking and pleading, sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, we ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. They'll be weeping there and gnashing of teeth. Then you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God. But you yourselves thrown out. People will come from east and west, north and south, and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first, and first who will be last. See, we have to continue on knowing who the Jews were. The Jews were trying, trying very hard to get into the kingdom of God and be saved. They thought They thought that Galileans, right, as well, they thought that you had to follow a strict agenda, rules and be pious in line with the National Rebellion. If you're with me, you're going to be saved. If you're against us, you're a sinner and you're not saved. You follow? And uh, it's sort of like uh, me being accused of, uh, you know, being a sinner for not following the Hong Kong protests. Anyway, same thing, right? If you're with me, you're you're either with me or against me. And if you're with, against me, you're a sinner and you're gonna to go to hell. So the Jews were being basically inculcated with this thinking, right? And that's why they thought the Galileans had their share. Like they paid their due because they were probably not following their agenda. And they weren't, okay? If you think about it, the Galileans were not there about following the Jews' agenda, the strict Jews' agenda, <clears throat> okay? So they weren't. So then they thought, okay, so if that's the, the mindset, not many people can make it to the kingdom then. Because not everyone can follow all those rules. Most notably the poor, the sick, and the infirm, right? It's impossible to follow all those rules if you were poor. It's impossible to follow all the rules if you were not wealthy. And so uh, they thought, yeah, only a few would make it. And those people that usually say that are the people that think that they can make it. Because they don't want anybody else around, right? Usually like when, when I say, oh, only, like Jesus, only a few can make it, right? <laughs> right? And, 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 it, and basically, they don't want anyone else to make it. Right? But Jesus responds, make every effort to enter. In other words, don't pursue this whole idea of rebellion. Don't pursue this whole idea of thinking that following the law to the T will actually get you in. No, I just gave you a whole teaching of the whole beginning of the chapter of what it means. And it means to have the fruits of repentance. To actually submit that agenda. To submit that whole entitlement of, you have the entitlement to to be rebellious, or the entitlement to fight for justice and avenge uh, your Jews, right? You have to submit that to God and repent of that. Don't think that you have that. See, it's kind of hard for us to relate, and that's why I'm using our own agendas, right? We don't have a rebellion here, (laughs) right? The the government is not oppressing us here, right? So it's kind of hard to relate with the Jews here like uh, of that day. But I'm sure many of you have been hurt by other people, And I'm sure many of you have been overlooked by many employers. And I'm sure many of you have been hurt by your parents or been uh, not favored, and and your siblings got favored, and you uh, really want to like, I have every right to take this from, like take this inheritance. I have every right to take this money. I have every right to take this position. I have every right because I worked hard for it. Well, guess what? Jesus says the true fruits of repentance is actually to submit that, to submit that agenda. I have every right to do what I want to do and make myself happy. Well, Jesus is saying, no, you have to submit that. The true fruits of repentance is to submit your agenda. So make every effort to submit that or else Jesus says, I don't know you. You follow? That whole chapter ends with a warning. If you do not have that fruits of repentance, folks, Jesus says, I don't know you. You come knocking. No matter how many times you, you attend Sunday worship, no matter how many times you read the Bible, no matter how many times you know how, like, you memorize verses, if you cannot submit your own agendas and take every opportunity of God to give you an opportunity to minister to others out of your inconvenience, then he says, I don't know you. Lastly, Luke 31, 35. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, go tell that fox. I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you. You will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus says, is coming soon, basically. That's what Jesus is saying. (laughs) He is coming soon. He is coming to gather up all his own. Yes, it's sometimes hard to remember, (laughs) to remind ourselves of that. Uh, Because uh, we go, well, it's another day, and another day, another day. But Jesus says here, no, I'm coming soon, and I am coming to gather. And he's telling the Jews, are you willing to repent, submit your agendas over this whole national rebellion, and just come back to God? Repent, take care of the poor, take, make every opportunity out of your inconvenience to uh, take advantage of what God what God wants you to do for others. Jesus predicts that no, like uh, that the Jews wouldn't, and they didn't. And then they got sacked in eighty seventy. If you know your history, Emperor Titus came in to uh, um, came into Jerusalem, took every single uh, uh, just literally halved families. So like uh, back to Howard's example. Oh, yeah, sorry Howard. Like he basically the Emperor Titus would just say, okay, I'm gonna mow down Jerusalem, take your wife, your kids, have it. And it's all mine. right? Like I said, like, uh, Jesus already predicted that. And as Jesus warned them, if you don't do it, you're going to face the same plight as the Galileans who got slaughtered in the temple. You're going to face the same thing as uh, the people who got, who, uh, got that tower could collapse on them. Everyone's a sinner. Everyone needs to repent. And the <laughs> fruits of repentance is to, are you able to submit your agendas, your entitlements, your wants to God? your desires, to God. Because if you can't, well, it's a warning, Jesus says. Jesus says, hey, I'm coming soon. And, uh, and when I do come, it's going to be too late, folks. There's no turning back. There's no second chances. There's no second opportunities. Sorry if you were taught that there were second opportunities. No, there is none. When he comes, you better know that if you actually repented or not. You better be sure that you have submitted that your agendas and your entitlements. In. Like you better make sure that Jesus is your Lord when he comes. Because if He if He does come and you ain't, you ain't. <laughs> Alright? You're not in. No matter how hard you knock, no matter how many times you say, look at all the Bible verses I remember I wanna. No. You're not gonna, he's you're not gonna make it there with that. And this is what Jesus ends with. It's a sour note. It seems like it's like Whoa, it's so harsh, but he really loves us, and that's why he gives us a warning today. He gives us a warning through our friends, your pastor, through missionaries, through the songs we sing, everything. He gives us many opportunities as well to help those in need, to give us opportunities to not let the wind, the window of opportunity close. Are we willing to step it?